Welcome to today's message from First Baptist Church in Divine, Texas, where our mission is to equip all generations to impact lives for Christ. You can find today's message and more information at www.fbcdivine.org. Now, let's listen to the latest teaching from First Baptist Church, Divine. Let me read for you verses 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 12. The Word of God reads, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of God, the people of God, this September Sunday morning. And it's in these last few Sundays together that as we made our way through Luke chapter 6, I pray that we each came to see how Jesus prepared for and began to announce the glorious kingdom of God. It's in, it's in God's kingdom where wrongs will be set right and this lost world will be made new. And I pray that we also came to see that Jesus calls you and I as citizens of this kingdom to live in a way that shows forth Jesus' kingdom's otherworldly beauty and glory and power. And now we set our focus for these next few weeks to see how the righteousness of our King, King Jesus, is displayed through me and through you. And that's going to be our aim as we set our course to study Romans chapter 12 over the next three Sundays, including after today. So with our Bibles open, I want us to take a look just at the beginning of verse 1, which opens in this way, reminding you of what I just read. Paul opens this chapter by saying, I appeal to you, and you'll notice I have boldened, therefore. Anytime we start reading the Bible and and we come across the word therefore, we need to ask ourselves a question. What is the therefore? Therefore. And you do that by reading what comes before it. So we glance back at the last verse of what comes before Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and that is Romans chapter 11, verse 36. Where at the end of that chapter, the Apostle Paul writes, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So the idea is this, because God is so great and God is so mighty and God is so awesome, the human author of this letter, the Apostle Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I would suggest to you that there may be a problem for Christians around this country, and maybe for even some of us in this room. And the problem is this, that we may be only involved in what I would refer to as a Christian religion, or that we would only just be merely participating in the work of the church. Well, what I mean by that is, I guess, borrowing from the idea of a conversation that took place between a a barnyard hen and a pig. The hen and the pig were, were talking to each other one, one day and they were discussing the, the epidemic of human hunger around the world. And they decided they would do something about it, this hen and this pig. And the hen said to the pig, all right, this is what we're going to do. Because human beings are hungry, this is what I propose. I propose every morning we provide a ham and egg breakfast to hungry people. 
And the pig looks at the hen and says, well, for you, that only requires involvement. But for me, that requires total commitment. And some of us here today are like that hen. We're just sort of involved. We give a little bit here, we give a little bit there, yet this passage of Scripture is talking about, forgive me for putting it this way, but it's talking about a pig kind of commitment, or as it were, a total commitment, where we are giving all that we have and all that we are to King Jesus. That's what this passage is talking about. Now, there are two sides to this. There are two aspects of a transaction, if you will. And these two aspects are described for us in verses 1 and 2. And so reminding ourselves of the first side, I will say that if you want to make a total commitment to Jesus Christ, you've got to make a sacrifice to God. And I know we talk about the word sacrifice a lot. Like when we talked about sacrificing so that we can retire that parking lot note debt. And when you hear the word sacrifice, particularly from a, from a preacher, you've got to start thinking, and I know you do, what is this sacrifice going to cost me? Is this sacrifice he's telling me about going to hurt my bank account? That's where we often hear that word, or the lens we hear it through. And we're not talking about just giving something this morning. We're talking about giving yourself. That's what I'm talking about. And I want us to notice four things about the living sacrifice we are to make to God. The first of this is that the sacrifice that we are to make to God is permanent. Now, we look at the word present that comes in verse 1. And it's the same word that was used in the Old Testament of of the priest who would go up to the altar in front of the temple. And he would take a living animal, whether it was a lamb or a goat or an ox, and he would lay that animal down, and he would take a very sharp knife, and he would point that very sharp knife at the throat of that animal and sever its jugular vein. And the blood would pour out, and the priest would even collect that blood. This was all according to the sacrificial system that God had given to his people. What would they do with that sacrificed animal? Well, they would cook it, they'd barbecue it, they'd roast it. Again, this is all part of the sacrificial system. And the same word for a priest who presented an animal, or if you will, offered an animal. Offer is another word that you might find in your English translation. The same word here is a sacrifice in the sense of the word that it is here in Romans chapter 12. This is the idea. Offer yourself. Now, I want us to pay close attention for a moment because this is why some guys like me will go off to seminary and learn Greek uh, so we can understand the original language that this is written in. You know it, and I would tell you, you know, it would make more sense to me if I told you that offering yourself is something that we should do all the time. Like you're supposed to do it tomorrow and, and Tuesday and Wednesday. Or it would make even more sense if I were to tell you, you just need to offer yourself like four or five times a day. But that would not be anywhere near what this text actually says. The word present, or if your Bible says offer in the original language, it is written as a once-for-all transaction. And I would be misleading you as a pastor if I told you it's something that you do all the time. And these words, present your body, mean you one time you do it. That's it. It's a one-time transaction. It's like when our own Gwendolyn received a kidney donation almost a year ago now. 
She was offered a kidney by her donor, and they both went to the hospital, and the doctors took one of the donor's kidneys and gave it to Gwen. And they're both doing okay now. And where I'm going with this is to say that her donor didn't say, here, you can have my kidney today, and here, you can have my kidney tomorrow, and here, you can have my kidney the next day. No, that's not what was actually being said. No, it was a one-time deal. And now Gwen is living because of that. And the Bible says that you offer yourself to God and it is something that you do one time. And this is the point I want to make. And it's a point that I think a lot of people are confused about in the church today. And that is this. God demands total surrender. Not this idea of rededication. And I think one of the problems we have today is that people think that all you have to do is keep rededicating, keep on rededicating. Oh, Brother Dan gives the invitation, and I pray silently to myself, Lord, I'm rededicating to myself to you today because I want uh, forgiveness for everything I did in the last week. I promise. And the next Sunday, rededicate. The following Sunday, rededicate. And if you're the kind of person who, who must continually rededicate yourself, my friend, you do not know the true nature of dedication. And I bring this up because sometimes I hear people, some people will come and ask me, um, you know, brother, when you give the invitation, I never hear you extend an invitation for people to come and rededicate themselves. Why don't you do that? Because sometimes I, I find myself wanting to rededicate myself. And I have a deep feeling that we do a disservice to people by telling them that all they have to do is rededicate. Friends, if you are dedicated, you don't have to keep rededicating. So what is this idea of surrender then? Well, this, the idea of surrender is saying this. Once and for all, God, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. And this verse is talking about a one-time total surrender of your life to God. And friends, I'm here to ask you today, have you done that? Have you surrendered your all to Jesus Christ? We heard the choir sing that beautiful song about how every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Surrender comes for every last person at the end of time. You have the ability to do it now. Have you tried it? Are you tired of rededication? Try dedication. Try commitment surrender. It is a permanent sacrifice. We also see from this passage that the sacrifice is personal. He says here, present your bodies. And he's talking to people individually. You see, this group of believers that we are gathered with here today, this is the group or the body of believers known as First Baptist Church Divine. This is a body of believers. And of course, we have collectively offered ourselves to God this morning in worship. But this is not what this passage is talking about. It's talking about your individual bodies. One-on-one. -on -one, something that you each must do. What is it that we must do, Brother Dan? What is it that God is wanting? What is this text actually saying? Well, what it's saying is this. What God wants from you is you. It's what God wants. That's why a perfect sinless Savior would go to a cross to die, to atone for your sins so that he would obtain 
you for his kingdom. All of you. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your time. Jesus doesn't want your talents. He wants you. And if you give him you, all those other things, the time, the money, the talents, they come along with it. I heard about a young man who was in a worship service and he he felt God calling him. And the offering plate was being uh, passed and he had absolutely no money in his pockets to give that night. And when the offering plate came, he picked up the plate, he excused himself from the neighbor next to him in the pew, and he walked out of the pew, stood beside the, in the aisle, and he put the plate on the ground, and he stepped on the plate. And he said, here I am, Lord. I'm yours. And yet, that doesn't sound like anything really pleasing, does it? Because sometimes the reason we don't like the idea of sacrifice It's because anytime we sacrifice, we give up something. One of the biggest problems we have in churches today is that people are still coming and they come to church and they're trying to receive something rather than trying to give something. Sometimes I still receive feedback like, you know, I didn't receive much from that worship service. I didn't like the music. As if the music was intended to be offered to you. I didn't like the sermon. I didn't get anything out of it. Well, friend, the whole point of coming to worship is not to get something. It's to offer something. It's to sacrifice something. That's what we're doing this morning. That's what this is all about. And there are people who don't come to church anymore because they say, you know, I don't get anything out of it. And friend, you did not come to receive something. You've come, you've been led by the Spirit of the living God here today, not by accident, but you have come, you've been led to give something. And if you give something, here's this, you're generally going to get something out of it. I heard about a family who once visited a church, and as they were leaving the church parking lot, the daddy tells his family, you know, that was the worst sermon I've ever heard. It was long, it was boring, it was absolutely awful. And then the wife chimes in and she says, yeah, the music was awful too. It was off key. It was too loud. I didn't like any of the song selections. And then the teenage daughter sitting in the back seat, she says, yeah, and you know, the people there weren't very friendly either. And then the little boy sitting in the back seat chimes in. He says, you know, dad, and he watched his dad as the offering plate went by. He says, you know, dad, you've got to admit that that was a pretty good show for a quarter. Don't you think? You usually get out of something what you put into it. Here's this. The sacrifice is physical. You said present your bodies. And I don't know about you, but wouldn't it have made more sense if God had said, offer your spirit to God? Wouldn't it have made more sense if it said, offer your soul to God? Yet that's not what this text says, does it? It says, present your bodies. Offer your bodies. And we can either offer our bodies to sin or we can offer our bodies to God. When we look at Romans chapter 6 verse 13, earlier in this letter, Paul is writing there, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. What's he getting at with this? 
Well, when Paul writes this letter to the church at Rome, you may not know this, but Greek philosophy, it ruled the day. It was prevalent. And if you know anything about Greek philosophy, you will know that it made a deep division between the physical and the spiritual, or if you will, between the body and the soul. Okay? For instance, they believed that back in this time uh, that, that it didn't matter what you did with your body. You could do whatever you want with your body so long as you were noble and honest in your soul. That's where we find instances where members of the Roman Senate could conduct a political business during the day and that very same night go and do terrible things with their bodies. The next day they would go back and they put on fresh and clean togas and they'd go conduct the state's business again. They said what you did with your body didn't matter as long as your mind was right. Maybe that's why the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, but you were bought with a price. Do you know the price with which you were bought, by the way? God himself. That is the price to pay for your sin. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. That's why Paul said, listen guys, when you, can, when you connect your body, for example, with a prostitute, you're a part of that prostitute. That's what this whole passage is about. God wants your body. He wants every part of your body. There was once a, a great and famous preacher named Bud Robinson. And one thing that made him great was that he always saw the funny things in life and he always saw the funny things in the Christian life. And he was leading a service one time and when he gave the invitation, a lady came down the aisle. And that lady was known throughout the entire church and, and the entire town as one of the most notorious gossips around. Everybody knew it. And so she came to the front and she tells the preacher, you know, Brother Bud, God has convicted me, and I came tonight to lay my tongue on the altar. Brother Bud said, well, you know, the altar's but 12 feet long. Good luck trying to make that work out. Do the best you can. Yet, God wants us to do just that. He wants us to give him our tongues. Oh, yeah, some of you cuss and claim to be Christians. You say, I can say what I want to. It's my tongue. Well, excuse me. Not if you've offered it to God. It's not your tongue. Or I, you, you tell yourself, I can consume whatever I want to. It's, it's my body. I'm sorry. Not if you offered it to God. It is not your body. And then you ask, does God really want this body? That's what it says. And you tell yourself, oh, my body's fat. I, I have BO. I have bad hair days. It gets tired. This thing aches. You're really saying God wants this body? I'm not saying it. God's saying it. Yes, he wants your body. Well, someone says, oh, I better clean up that body. Then I need to fix it up before I can offer it to him. Wrong. No, my friend, we will never fix it up good enough. The whole point is that we offer it to him just as it is, just as we are. Then he starts working on it. He starts fixing it. The last thing about this idea of sacrifice is that it's practical. It's a living sacrifice. 
Remember I told you the priest would put, on an, would, 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 uh, would, would put an animal on the altar and kill it? That was it. The animal's dead. That is, that's what makes our sacrifice, this living sacrifice, a different kind of sacrifice. We're still alive if we're in Christ. And God wants us to be a sacrifice, but to keep on living for Jesus. Right now, it makes me want to ask you a couple questions. The first one is this. Would you die for Jesus? Would you? Think about that for a moment. Would you die for him who knew no sin? Has given you the mercy of God? Grace and forgiveness that you do not deserve. Would you die for him? How about this? Will you live for him? Will you? I'll tell you, I know this is a very sensitive subject, so I want to tread lightly to make a point. Today, this day, September 24, 2023, 15 Christians will die today because they are followers of Jesus Christ. These are not people who happen to be Christians and are dying. Although, if that's the case, to God be the glory for their salvation. I'm saying that 15 of our brothers and sisters around the globe today will be murdered because they unashamedly live for Jesus. In 2022, 5,621 Christians were killed because of their faith. You know what I think? I think in a lot of ways that it's a whole lot easier to die for Jesus than it is to live for Jesus. I honestly believe that for many of us, if someone pointed a gun at our head and said, either renounce Christ or die, we would say, I will never renounce Christ. And in that instance, we would be with him in glory. That's one thing. But it's another thing when you and I go to work tomorrow or when our kiddos go to school on Tuesday and somebody points a temptation at them or points a challenge at you, and where we find that sometimes it's harder to live for Jesus than it is to die for Jesus. That is the, the sacrifice that is so practical that we live out day by day by day by day. And that's what makes it this unusual living sacrifice. And so on one side of the transaction you say, God, here I am, I offer my body to you as your sacrifice. And then the other side of the transaction is what comes in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, how do you do that? You do that by maintaining separation from the world. You separate from the world. And it's possible to maintain separation. And the first thing is to know why you have to live a life separate from the world. You have to understand the intention of the world for you. The world wants to mold you. See, the world is trying to pressure us to act like everyone else, to look like everyone else, to dress like everyone else. That's why everybody is so interested in these so-called social media influencers. The world is, is trying to make everybody exactly the same. And maybe someone's wondering, well, what is, it, what is it we're saying when we talk about the world? Who is it that we're talking about? 
Well, we're not talking about the world of people because in John chapter 3, verse 16, we know that for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We know this. Neither are we talking about the world of nature because the Bible also says the heaven declared the glory of God. Yet the biblical definition of world is this. The world is mankind without God. When there's reference to the world in this negative way, this is the sense that it carries. It's the world without God, mankind without God. It's the mindset, it's the philosophy, it's the thinking that says, I don't need him. Forget your God. King Jesus, King me. And this verse says, do not be forced into the pattern of the world. That word pattern, the word behind it is a word schemata, which is a, influences our English word scheme. Okay, What is the scheme of the world? Well, here's what the world's trying to teach you, trying to mold you into. It's to say, I am going to look out for number one. I'm going to look out for me. You're going to look out for you. And it's the world or the devil. who. By the way, they don't want us to disbelieve in God. The devil is not trying to get us to renounce God. The devil and the world are trying to get us to live for ourselves. To make self divine. To make self God. In other words, we believe that I better watch out for myself. Because if I don't watch out for myself, nobody's going to. I've got to promote myself. I've got to protect myself. And I've got to lift myself up where I need to be. And if I don't do it, nobody will. That's exactly the opposite of what the Bible teaches the Christian life is. The Christian life is one of surrender, a life of service, where you give yourself away to God, where you give yourself away to others. You don't think first, how is this going to affect me? You don't think first, what's this going to cost me? You think first, how will this honor the Lord? How will this honor King Jesus? And you and I are supposed to be different from the world. And that's where the word holy comes into being, by the way. Holy and acceptable to God. A lot of people don't understand what holiness is. And some people think that holiness just means that you don't wear makeup or you don't wear pants if you're a lady or you don't play cards or you don't smeat, or you don't uh, drink or smoke or chew or date boys that do, right? And if you're really holy, you don't go to the movies. And if you're really, really, really holy, you don't have a television. And that's what we think holiness is. Something you either do or something you don't do. But do you know where, what the word holy actually means? It means that you are functionally, fundamentally different from the world. You don't think like the world. You don't act like the world. It's like an example that comes from a marching band that was uh, participating in a parade. Everybody in that band is marching in in sequence, marching in step, except for one band member, and he's totally out of step with the rest of the entire band. And when anyone looks closer at this guy, they see that, that you can notice that he has headphones on, and he's listening to an entirely different song. It really is true that when it comes to me, and it comes to you, and it comes to the world, we march out of step from the world. The world is goose-stepping to a certain scheme, to a certain pattern. And yet you and I, because we are in Christ Jesus, we're listening to a completely different song. 
We're tuned into a completely different tune and we have a completely different pace of life. And the world points a finger at us and the world says, you know, you Christians, y'all are weird. Y'all are strange. Y'all are peculiar. And all we can say is thanks for noticing. Thank you very much. Notice what the Bible says about the world. It's what Josh came and read for us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17, speaking of this world, the people without God, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Here's the other side of it. The world wants to mold you. God wants to change the way you think. It says in verse 2, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't mean that you change yourself. It means God changes you and you start thinking differently. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, Paul writes to that church, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Paul's saying, before I came to Christ, there was one way I thought, one way I acted, and it was just like everybody else. It was just like the world. And now that I've become a new man in Christ, raised from death unto life, everything is different. I think about things differently. That's what he's saying. Just as a caterpillar transforms into a butterfly, just as a tadpole transforms into a frog, God wants to take every one of us and he wants to transform us into a different kind of person who thinks differently and acts differently. And our invitation is to repent. To repent. But what does it mean to repent? What it means to repent is to have a change of attitude and action. We start looking at things differently. That We look at the things we used to like, and we don't like them anymore. When I was young, I, I had developed a passion for the game of football, and I was dazzled by the likes of Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin and Jay Novacek and Daryl the Moose Johnson and the rest of the boys. And after every Cowboys game, I'd grab my football and I'd run outside. And I'll tell you, I was destined for the NFL in my backyard every Sunday. Then something strange happened. I discovered different things. I discovered NASA and I discovered space exploration. And I forgot about the football career because, well, space was just something bigger. That's the story of the Christian life. Once you discover the life that Jesus has for you, you're going to say about your past, about the, the way the world does it, forget about all that stuff. I want to be the person Jesus has intended me to always be. And I told you earlier that this idea of dedicating your body to God, it's a one-time transaction. And there may be some of us in this room who say, who recognize right now, you know, I, I rededicate, but I've never actually surrendered. I've never done that. I want to give you a chance this morning to do just that. And I'm going to give you a chance to glance at this little, if you will, contract that I prepared because I want it, because it may express what you want to do right now. I'm not going to check how you respond to this. I'm not going to check uh, whether, I'm not going to ask you to sign a piece of paper so that your neighbor can just be a, a nosy person and know what you, what you want to do. It's just between you and God. And I'm going to read it for you because I know the font is small. Maybe you want to enter into a, a covenant or if you will, a contract with God. A contract with God that says this. I hereby surrender 
once for all my entire body. That means my mouth, my feet, my eyes, my hands, my arms, my soul, and my spirit to God. Lord, I am totally available to you. And if that expresses your desire right now, then maybe you want to use the next amount of time when I extend the invitation where we'll observe a moment of silence to say just that or something similar to the Lord. And if you do in fact surrender, God has something of a response for you. I'll read it for you. I know the font is small. I hereby promise to transform you into a totally different person who will act and think and speak more like Jesus Christ every day. I further promise to meet all your needs and to supply all the resources necessary to accomplish my will. That's what God's promise is to everyone who has been given grace or given faith through grace in Jesus, in the, in Jesus Christ. And for some of you today, this is what you need to do to be the person God has always intended you to be. Thank you for tuning in to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church Divine, located at 308 West Hondo Avenue in Divine, Texas. We invite you to be our guests at our 8.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. services each Sunday. You can find more information about First Baptist Church Divine at www.fbcdivine.org, where our mission is to equip all generations to impact lives for Christ. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you.